Hello, welcome to Charity Chats. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. I hope you're getting on okay and that you and your families are staying safe and well. So much has happened over the past few months. When I take a moment to think about how life has changed and what could change, both for me, my family, but also on a global level over the coming months, it does fill me with either anxiety or hope, depending very much on my mood. The anxiety and worry about the future seems to come as a chill or a draft, like someone has left the door open. I don't think I'm alone in this. Many of the people that I've spoken to over the past few weeks have expressed similar feelings. A spoonful of helplessness, a shot of courage, a dash of hope. But what about resilience? Where do we find this ingredient while the world lurches, throwing us off balance time and again? In this episode, we speak to friend of the show, Anne Hughes, about resilience and what we can do to be more resilient, both in our personal lives and in our work lives too. And indeed, what charity leaders can do to help keep us all resilient during this particularly difficult time. This was recorded a few weeks ago, just before the US election. I was very grateful for the opportunity to speak to Anne and for this very fulfilling, reassuring and even galvanising conversation. This episode is brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Charity People. So without further ado, here is Anne Hughes speaking to me about resilience. So I'm delighted to be joined by a friend of the show, Anne Hughes of Anne Hughes Ignites, consultant, speaker, and expert in, in charities and fundraising. Hello, Anne. How are you doing? Good to see you again. Hi there. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's, we were talking uh, just before recording, weren't we? We've, it's been a few months. I think we last spoke back in June. Um, and what a few months it's been. How have you been? Have you been very busy? Yes, I have. I have. I think the, the times require some different thinking. And so, yeah, I continue to be busy, which is which is good. But, you know, just reflecting that when we did this on Zoom at the beginning of June and I, I was almost a little bit nervous because I'm not used to speaking in this medium on using Zoom to, to yeah. be interviewed or to talk to somebody about something. Whereas now it's the most natural thing in the world, isn't it, Sam? We yeah. do everything. We do everything Absolutely. on Zoom. So yeah, so it's an interesting the, ty- the interesting times continue, of course, don't they? With England going back into lockdown, and I'm obviously up in Glasgow, which makes no difference to anybody anymore because, as we say, everything's done by by video call. Um, but you know, it's just it's interesting times. It's, it's it certainly is. I guess you know, from my perspective, a lot of things are changing work-wise as well. And I suppose the good of that is that we are open to new ways of working and, and certainly over the last few months I've seen unprecedented I know that's a word that's used too much isn't it in these uh-huh. these days but uh-huh. in terms of change you know I never thought in, you know I could never imagine that a year ago or two years ago I would work in an organization where now all that we do is is remote where we're using all systems that we'd never even heard of you know it really is amazing and it seems to be kind of evolving all the time as well which is exciting and a little bit nerve-wracking at the same time yeah yeah and I think it's just showing that people can adapt very quickly when the environment requires them to adapt and let's not lose sight of that that we think that change is something that takes a long time if anything that one of the blessings of 2020 is that we have learned that a lot of people can adapt very very quickly yeah 
And I guess that's that's part of our kind of human ability, isn't it, to adapt and to um, kind of get to grips with the new situation. But I suppose part of that, and I know this is, you know, we're going to be talking about resilience and bouncing back. And I, I think that is really um, something that certainly I'm going to find personally very useful because it does feel, I don't know if it feels like this to you or our listeners, but to me, it does feel that, you know, one day it I'm top of the world, you know, getting things done, really, you know, going for it. And it almost feels like the, you know, COVID-19 isn't a thing. And then other days, it just seems like you've got nonstop pressure, hurdles, challenges, and and seemingly no way of getting through it all. It's, it seems almost impossible. So how do we, how do we, it feels like every day is a bit of a storm to me. How do we, how do we weather that? And I think, you know, it's, it's accepting that, that that's probably just what it's like. I think that there's a lot of positive to be found and a lot of um, self-trust almost to be found in knowing that we are not in this alone. Everybody, you mm. know, you saying that, me saying that, we're all sort of uh, experiencing that. And even though it's not great that we're all experiencing it, it does make us feel as if we're not alone. And the definition of resilience is the ability to recover quickly from difficulties, the ability of an object to spring back into shape. And that's where we are just now. And I have had so many conversations with leaders about how they get their people through the difficulties. And I think that one of the big things that we definitely watch out for is that we do not focus on this continually reflecting that it would be different if we were all in an office or eventually this will be over. Let's just hold on for dear life in complete fear until we get to the other side of it because we can allow it to be different because we're not in an office or businesses or organisations. The third sector has to keep moving forward. And the only way we can recover quickly is if we deal with the difficulties that we've got just now. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? One thing that keeps coming back to me at the moment is um, my uncle. He has a lot of sayings, my uncle. And he one of the things he says, don't focus on the mountain, focus on the next step. And yes. uh, and it's that kind of iterating, especially for leaders, I suppose, because you you're, you're constantly trying to project, aren't you? Trying to see what's coming up in the distance. How do we get where we want to get? But then it's coming back to... And on a personal level, too, I guess, getting through some of these difficult decisions, difficult days, it's looking back down at our feet. Where's the next step? And it's something I think I speak about in other motivational speaking and things I do quite often about. Can I deal with what's in front of me in this moment and this mm. day and this week and this month? And actually, if that's what I deal with, all the days that add up into weeks, into months, into years become time well spent. And therefore, we can't worry too much about the future because we all know now the future is not is not sure for any of us. We don't know what's around the corner. And what we have to try and do is get people to plan regardless. We need to encourage our people to be brave. We need to encourage them to step out of their comfort zone. And we really need to encourage them to move forward. Mm -hmm. And while this can be an individual choice, it also has to come from leadership. And it's about building those trusting and resilient teams is how you will push yourself forward. (music) 
do you think i mean there'll be people listening to this podcast who are either have either lost their role or they're looking for work currently because i mean and i suppose as people listen back to this we're recording this in uh, beginning of november 2020 but people might be more and more in that situation you know who knows we may always be being in that situation at some point ourselves is there is there a resilience do you think that people can kind of find if they have been made kind of out of work for some time i've certainly been out of work myself and and it's uh, there's another level of pressure isn't there there's another level of of worry and concern are there things is it just about kind of again in that situation like like every other looking at what can you do today to make your situation better is that largely what it yeah. comes down to i think that just now and it's interesting i have been um, a consultant working on my own for two and a half years almost three years now and when I reflect on that I'm glad that I made that decision it wasn't really part of my plan Mm. I wanted to move jobs and the piece of work I was offered was actually offered in a consultancy way and therefore I I just sort of uh, did fall into it almost by accident but what I reflect on now is that all of the skill set that I have in, in fundraising and speaking and training and team building, which lots of fundraisers do, but we're very, you know, multi, multi-talented, I think, as fundraisers, because we've had to go with the flow so often and generate things, is that organisations, I feel, and I am optimistic, that organisations will be able to invest in some consultancy work perhaps where there isn't a full-time job it's not ideal but what I would say to people that are are, have perhaps lost their job and there aren't any other jobs on the other side of this or look out there just now is try your hand try having a wee bit of consultancy have conversations with some of the bigger recruitment agencies that usually have a big huge consultancy arm that fill in into them or that do bits of work for organizations that are getting ready to recruit somebody or just start to do that on LinkedIn as well. Start to put yourself out there to do some funding applications, to do a short-term project piece of work, because actually it's a good way to get back on terms of getting income. And it's also so important in building our own resilience that we don't sit in our pajamas every day and not do anything. You need mm-hmm. to feel as if you are moving things forward. And therefore, I would say, look wider than just looking for a Monday to Friday nine to five. Start looking for other ways to keep yourself occupied. That's a really good idea. And I guess, you know, the 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 potential of using technology as we are now, you know, it's feasible that people can um, broadcast to an audience their knowledge, their expertise, put that on their CV, put that on their LinkedIn profile you know, do some pro bono work. Um, there are heaps and heaps of small and, and maybe larger charities and groups out there who I'm sure could use a helping hand right now. So that, yeah. as you say, you know, keeping busy, keeping involved. Because I guess yeah. you know, when I when I worry about, you know, losing my job, um, I, I think uh, and kind of it's all hypothetical, but, you know, I do, that's on my mind. I guess I'm a natural born worrier. And uh, I, I think about, you know, for me, it's obviously there's the uh, there's the not having a paycheck coming in, which is a concern. But there's also a part, I suppose, of not being involved, you know, not, you know, I'm in this sector to try and affect some change, you know, maybe a, a little bit of change. Um, but I, I want to see the world changing much more dramatically. And maybe that's part of it, not being involved in that progressive 
um, kind of sense of, of trying to change the world. Yeah, I think it could be really challenging. And as a freelancer, you know, this time last year, about last September, I think maybe, I didn't have any work whatsoever. And it was a really stressful time as a freelancer, obviously, when you just have nothing and you've got no projects are finished. There's nothing new on the horizon. Obviously, that passed and, and work came back. But during that, that sort of a month, five weeks where I had no work, I still got up, I still get dressed every day, I sat down at my desk, I sent some emails, you know, I adopted an attitude of being in work, if I had got up every day and sat in my pyjamas watching morning television, I don't know how well I would have been ready to bounce back into the workplace, whereas as soon as work came along, I was ready for it and I was Mm. in a good mind for it, and that's a deal that we have to make with ourselves probably. And you know, we're talking on a kind of a, on a personal level, but you know, for those people listening to this who maybe manage teams or lead charities, how can they build this within their actual team? How can they kind of project this resilience um, onto onto their team members? Yeah, I think the basis of resilience is really um, in trust. That you have to build trusting teams and the, the foundation of good le- leadership, I would say, when building resilience is about giving your people direction, about supporting them and about giving them some autonomy. And, you know, it's interesting. It's a, it's in having this conversation with someone really recently and, and they referred to it as compassionate leadership. Mm. And that would be because as you know, I do motivational speaking as well. And compassion is a huge thing that runs through all the work I do. And it's about being really upfront with people, about telling them the things that are happening, about doing the things you say you're going to do, about turning up and being honest. Mm -hmm. And if you lead from a compassionate place, I think you can take everybody on that journey with you. And it's, you know, when you think of... um, how you want to build your team and how you want them to trust you. And I've actually got two examples of how not to do that. And I won't say any organisational names, but one is a third sector, one is a private organisation that I know people that work in these organisations. And they have both very similarly said there is going to be massive redundancies. We need to restructure. And then they've said, we're going to make an announcement. And that announcement was meant to be in in October, September, October time. And when they eventually made that announcement, not on time, not when they said they were going to make it, they waited for a couple of weeks after, three weeks after, then they make an announcement that is, we've not decided what to do yet. There is going to be massive redundancies. We'll maybe let you know at the beginning of December. Mm. Now, the position these organisations, both public sector and private sector and third sector, the position they've put them, they're going to lose their best people because their best people are now looking for jobs. They have lost all trust with anyone that remains because they now do not trust them. And therefore, the real current of how leaders can build resilient teams is about building trusting teams and really giving people permission, empowering them, giving them critical feedback, you know, making them accountable for the work that they're going to do and giving them, realistically, I have to be really honest, permission to mess up. And they know that if I make a mistake, you're with me in that mistake. 
you know, if we think about it, if it, it's, this is the only pain about um, podcasting, I suppose you can't have a visual, but if we think about it as three circles going out the way and in the middle circle is our absolute place of comfort. And then we've got a bit of stretch and then on the outside is that place we've never been before where we're quite scared, that area of risk. Mm. Now, if you as a leader are sitting in your comfort zone watching and expecting your staff to go away out to the places where they're quite scared, where they're taking risks, where they're coming up with new ideas, where they're doing all the things that we really need to be doing just now within the sector, within all sectors just now as to how we come out the other side of this. If they are going out there and you are waving from your comfort zone, you are not building trusting teams, you are not building resilient teams. In fact, you are destroying trust and you're risking losing your best people. And so my advice to leaders is that they build trust with their team. And that is done by being really honest, by being compassionate, by being transparent, by saying, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you don't know the answer, you say, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that. As opposed to, you know, maybe just saying that's that's beyond your pay grade or I'm not telling you. You can say I'm a bit scared and I'm a bit worried too, because then we're in this together. It takes courage, doesn't it? I, to, to be able to be that transparent and honest. But I guess it, it's, um, it's a stitch in time saves nine. And if, uh, yeah. if, if people aren't, as you say, if people aren't honest and upfront and, t- and have courage to do that, then, you know, it can create more problems down the line. Many more problems, yeah. I suppose. And right before that, courage comes an awful lot of vulnerability. Mm. Do you know that way? It really does. It's very, it's very, you feel so vulnerable when you're having to do that. But the only way we ever discover how brave we really are, and that's Brenny Brown that, that talks about this, is if we actually have the vulnerability and move through that. If we start to reframe failure as an opportunity to build resilience, if we get our people to believe that anything is possible, mm. because quite frankly, anything is possible now. Who would have believed in January or February or March that we would end up sitting where we are seven, eight months in AS lockdown pandemic? And to focus on, this is the big one, I think, focus on thriving, not just surviving. We don't want to have teams that just live in fear of whether they're going to lose their job, of whether they're going to meet their target. And everything is, can we just get over the wire? Can we just get over the wire? That conditions people to think small. They Mm. think about how they can get just towards the revised budget. Let's continue to encourage our people to think big, to thrive, because we don't know how long this is here. And quite frankly, we don't know what's after this. You know, it could be anything. We now know things can change very, very quickly. We all know that now. And therefore, we need to have a culture and have an attitude of thriving. Because if we discourage that as leaders, we end up with mediocre fundraisers, quite frankly. And we don't want that, do we? It's, it's, a, it's a risk, isn't it? I suppose we, we need to be willing to take risks. And but how do you how do you get over that kind of fear that people have about you know losing their jobs or making a mistake or upsetting the boss i mean as you say that the leaders can try and create that atmosphere where you know people aren't going to get fired for upsetting the boss or for you know for um coming up with new ideas or, or trying things but are there is it is there a kind of i realize this isn't a psychology podcast but if is there a kind of a uh, 
is there something in asking people to and giving people the license to think bigger and to think progressively that might actually take their mind off of their own troubles and worries? You know, I think, and this is a conversation that I've had with people a few times recently, and I think there's a big thing in acknowledging the status quo because we do, and it's having really open conversations. It's difficult on Zoom. And if you've got a big team, it is, it is challenging. But we have to acknowledge things are tough and let everybody acknowledge, I would say, what is tough about this. Let them all acknowledge. But then let them all accept that six months ago, a year ago, they wouldn't have thought they could get through this. And now they have. So illustrate to them their own inherent strengths. You know that way? Illustrate to them that they are able to cope because look what they've just coped with the last seven months. And then as a leader, it's incumbent on you to try and discover what will actually energise your team. You know, and that can be different for different people, which is why I do a lot of strengths work with teams just now, where they, um, I use a model where people get to understand what their inherent strengths are and they can then accept that they can lean into them because as soon as they, as they do the project that, that lets them understand their strengths, every single person says, oh my goodness, that is so me, that is so me, and they identify with those strengths, and then they can start to learn about that, and it, it makes, it really empowers people when they know what their strengths are, mm. and we get our people to start to lean into those strengths, and I think vitally important is that we remind them what their, the core purpose of this team is, and that can be, I think, has to come smaller than the core purpose of a charity you know in this sector we are lucky we all know why we come to work every day but we need the team to understand what their core purpose is especially if we're talking about a team that maybe isn't a service delivery team and therefore their core purpose is def very different from that mm. but also to identify that everybody within the team has a purpose because actually if the, the person who answered the phone didn't fulfill their purpose, how would they ever get to the fundraiser to get to the person who's going to process the income or whatever? So everybody within the team has a purpose together and this team has a purpose. And I would even say it's worth having, you know, a mission statement for your team, you know, redefining what the purpose of this team is, getting them to start even remotely, getting them to start to think together, to feel like a team again and finding new ways of making technology help us build rapport. You know, as we were talking about, you do broadcast and I do a radio show, building rapport on Zoom is very different to building rapport person to person when they're sitting across the table for you. But again, as leaders, we can't say it's just so difficult. We need to find a way through. I guess one thing that kind of troubles me at the moment, and, and I wonder if this is kind of a common thing, probably is we're going into an American election, which weirdly seems to be on my mind as much as any British elections ever been, uh, I guess because of what it stands for and, and what the, you know, the kind of the forces at play in that uh, election. Um, and obviously people are think, worried about COVID-19 and health and they're worried about the economy and their jobs and things like that. There are these big uh, kind of big issues in society you know not to mention black lives matter food banks all these kind of things and uh, is that's that's going to be on a lot of people's minds and an undercurrent and i suppose the work that we do can kind of take us away from thinking about those things because we're focused and everyone's really busy with their work um but is there are there ways of dealing you know on those kind of quiet moments or when 
work's not taking away from it enough. Are there ways of dealing with those anxieties around the world at large? You know, I think that it's, it's interesting because the world, and obviously by the time this goes out, I would imagine, Sam, we will know what the result of the American election is. And yeah. quite honestly, the world is mad. How many times do we sit at night watching the news and just say, I say to my husband so many times, the world's just gone mad, hasn't it? Because it feels like it has. And there's the point. We Nothing happens in isolation. And actually on, um, on my website, I do have a page on trust and resilience. And that is one of the, the things that, that I have on that. Nothing happens in isolation. Mm. Everything happens at the same time. But just like I said earlier to you about reminding the team what their core purpose is and what each individual's purpose to that team is, we need to know what our purpose in the world is. And sometimes I, I can't do everything, but if my purpose just now is to help an organisation build a stronger team, then I can feel as if I am doing my part in the whole craziness of the world to make one wee bit of it less crazy. And so it's appreciating that when everything is chaotic and nothing happens, if lots of people get involved with calming parts of the chaos down, eventually the chaos will end. And so we all just need to empower ourselves as leaders and equally try and empower our, our, our colleagues within our teams to actually recognise that, yes, it is crazy just now. But if we have got this purpose, we've redone our mission statement, we've redefined our purpose. And if we do this, we make the world just that little bit better. And if enough of us keep doing that, Sam, I mean, I'm a terrible optimist, but you know. Well, I am, but I mean, I guess as as fundraisers, I, I you know, there are very few. Uh, I'd say the majority of the fundraisers I've met seem to be optimists because, well, we have to be, haven't we? We've got to bounce yeah. back on time. You know, it, it gives me, it brings me back to purpose, and and I know in the past we've spoken about um, leaders, and that really everyone is a leader, regardless of whether somebody's come into an organization at the very first rung of the ladder. What can you can you kind of talk about, you know, what are those qualities that we can all work on in terms of being leaders of ourselves, even if we aren't managing um, other teams, kind of inspiring others around us? Yeah, I think it's about, I mean, I think, you know, leadership is something that has no rank. There are leaders that are natural leaders. Not everybody is a natural leader, and I would therefore caveat that with, it's okay to not be a leader. It's okay to be somebody who wants to be led. That's that's great because an organisation full of leaders would probably have quite a lot of fireworks going off in it. But I think that the that what I would see is a strong indicator of leadership and how we can bring that out within ourselves is about that going back to the direction about how we give ourselves direction when we get up during the day like we're talking about getting up even if you don't have work to go for get dressed at least from the waist up you know we're all doing it we're, <laughs> you know we're all just dressed from the waist up because we're on video calls but have some direction have some direction in what it is that you're out to achieve today how do you support? That can be how you support your team, how you support your colleagues, or how do you support yourself? You know, and there's lots of ways that we need to support ourselves to in, in order for us to get through to get through this this crazy time. And I think that having a level of autonomy is so important that so often leaders can become the the bottleneck within their organization because everything has to get through them. 
again, if we bring this over um, to ourselves, we can become our own bottleneck because we think there's things we can't do. The things that we think there's things we won't do. We think there's things that we're rotten at, you know, and actually have the autonomy, encourage that level of autonomy in ourselves and our colleagues and in our team to ensure that people can rise up, that they can come up with ideas, that they can be innovative and start to build that level of trust. It's so important that people feel they are part of a trusting unit. And that goes, if you consider it, that goes through all of our lives. If we think about our relationships, you know, our marriages, our family, our siblings, our cousins, our friends, when somebody has let us down and we don't have trust, everything changes. We need to all get on board with how do we build these teams of the future? How do we maintain this sector? Because this too shall pass. We will come out the other side of it and we want to have people within the third sector that are ready to be innovative, to think big, to aim high and to achieve as much as they possibly can. Not people that are trying to work within very, very short and small parameters because that is not going to bode well for the future. And so it might feel like a risk, but I think it's definitely a risk worth taking. We're living in a world now, and we've talked about it already, but where there is clearly a lot of work that the sector needs to do, you know, it may be increasingly, you know, I've been uh, reading recently about the, the use of food banks. Obviously, there's all this work, uh, work that Fair Share and others are doing uh, to help people in dire need of food. And this is just one of many causes that seems to have had a, a huge influx of, of need. So we know that the world needs our efforts uh, more than ever so in a way you know there there is work for us all to do isn't there whether it's voluntary or, or paid i think that the fact that so many people have encountered such difficult times is absolutely heartbreaking but i believe that we will come out the other side of this as a more compassionate nation how can we not when we we listen to the radio and we hear stories about people who have always been professionals, who have always worked, and now they are standing in line at a food bank. There's bigger political issues at foot there because why can we not provide people as a as a country, as a nation, with a living wage or a you know a living income so that they could actually live off the, the money that the government is able to give them? And I think people always feel as if there was a safety net and we're realising that there's really not, mm. which sadly means there is more need for charity. Equally, I think it means that we are perfectly pleased to help, to be those voices of a dissent that say you need to do more to hold the government and the authorities to account and to say more. It should not come down to charity and private companies to house homeless people that should be something that the government is doing, you know? And it's just like, we need to find a way that our nation can improve. And I know you brought up the American election and when Trump won, I remember reflecting that maybe America needed this in order to shift the priority away from money and big business and self-interest to a place that was a bit more compassionate and a bit kinder and thought about your neighbour and not just yourself. And so I think it's, we're in a real place of change. 
charity is needed now more than ever. But what I do believe is more people will be more willing to support because they see there is need. So Anne, you know, this is this has been really good. And for me on a personal level, I've I've really, as always, enjoyed speaking with you. And I know our listeners do too. The, the listenership of the last episode we did was fantastic. So I know they're listening to this. If a lot of them are struggling, and I know, you know, you as an expert on on uh, kind of leadership and 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 um, resilience for teams, if people have got questions about this and they they want to kind of get some ideas, can they come to you? Can they contact you through your website? Yeah, please. I'm on all the social media and LinkedIn and Hughes Night, and also my website is annhughesignite.co.uk. And I'm doing such a variety of work just now. I can do some, I've been doing some motivational sessions, which last an hour, uh, just to try and G people along. But equally, I'm doing that strength training. I'm doing mentoring within leadership as to how, you know, for a leader to actually ask me last week, how do I be a more compassionate leader, Anne? And that's a wonderful conversation to start having with someone. And the fact that they wanted to have the conversation means we're halfway down the road already. It's the people that don't realise they need to lead with more compassion that are the problem area, not the ones that want to. But, you know, I'm so well. I would love to have this conversation with anybody. So I would love people to get in touch. And Hughes, thank you for contributing again to Charity Chats. No, thank you for having me again, Sam. big thank you there to Anne Hughes for her inspiring words and rallying cry for us all. For those of you who lead organisations or manage teams, lead from a compassionate place and take your team with you. Do your best to limit and manage the uncertainty among staff. Do what you say you'll do and keep your staff's trust. Build trusting teams, have the courage to give them permission to fail and learn, empower them. My favourite quote from Anne Hughes, focus on thriving, not just surviving. And this can be taken on both a personal and organisational level. Leaders need to find ways of energising their teams, especially now. Do this by helping your teams to think about their strengths, their core purpose, and the things you all want to achieve for those your charity serves, your beneficiaries. For many charities, the support you provide is more vital than ever. In the uncertainty of these times, find things to be certain about. Be deliberate. Plan. Get up. Get dressed. Make your bed. Hold on to these small but productive routines. As well as understanding our purpose within our organisations, we need to find out who we are and what we are capable of doing. This is not only empowering, it will help us to stay the course through these very difficult times. We owe it to ourselves, those around us, the people we serve and indeed the world. We need to build teams that can think innovatively, think big and be ready to go when we get through the other side of this pandemic. Perhaps returning to our usual shape won't be the case and will actually be required to become something entirely different in order to do more and rise to the challenge of making a better world. Maybe it's time we need to evolve. In that spirit, here is a short excerpt from a poem, Don't Quit by Edgar A. Guest. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, 
but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, our platinum sponsor, Charity People, for enabling us to share insights, expertise and best practice across our sector. Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kits. Magda Aximit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And of course, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. Keep on doing what you can and hang on in there. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.